0: Bienvenidos a Radio Mania, y'all.
1: My name is Verónica Flores.
0: And I'm Miriam Torla Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tapes.
1: Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we are doing an episode all about the year 2001, which, oh my god, was 20 years ago, which for me is really intense
0: to think about. <laughs> yeah, I was in high school 20 years ago, which makes me feel old AF. <laughs> I know, I know, for real.
1: I was graduating high school. I graduated high school in 2001. So this was the, for me, I was finishing high school, going into my first year of college. And I was in peak, peak obsession with Chakira, who we are listening to right now. 2001 was her big crossover moment. Let's listen to this song. It's called Suerte.
2: Sean pequeños y no los confundas Con montañas Suerte que le dé las piernas firmes Para correr si un día hace falta Y estos dos ojos que me
0: this about you but it's so hard to like understand you as a Shakira evangelist because it's just so not like on brand with you anymore you know
1: <laughs> well the thing is that back then Shakira was like una roquera you know what I mean mm-hmm. like she wasn't like the pop artist I mean she was a pop artist obviously like mm-hmm. she was very popular like whatever she was it wasn't like she was like the indie rock underground or nothing but she was like una roquera and that's what I loved about her you know and, like she like wrote her own songs and she was like such a poet which is um really funny because in this moment like so yeah Chakita was crossing over this is from laundry service which is her first album um that had english language songs on it and um part of what i really liked about Chakita is her writing i thought that like she was like such a poet and um because of because like she was just like she really learned english too crossover right like she was not like a fluent English speaker and have you ever had the experience of like trying to translate lyrics for somebody and then be like that sounds so corny I promise Mm -hmm. you it doesn't sound like that in Mm -hmm. English or Spanish or you know however you're translating yeah totally and I feel like her English language lyrics have that same quality of, like, they just, like, sound, like, so cringy sometimes because it's, like, they're just translated. Like, it actually, you can't just,
0: you can't pull off the same things, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you really have to, like, to, to do it well, I feel like you have to write, you have to rewrite it in the spirit of that, the original, but in the language that you're writing in, like, translating poetry or something it's like you can't translate literally it just doesn't make sense or work you
1: know? yeah yeah so I feel like that's why I chose suerte instead of whenever we're like I chose a Spanish language because I like I feel like some of the English language stuff was like it just like really um a little bit cringy the writing like you know um underneath your clothes, I think is a really painful example of this mm-hmm. on on the laundry service. I feel like every line is just so like, oh, that's that's so rough. Um and you know, if we're being real, my favorite song from this I chose this song because it was like, you know, Swerte slash whenever whatever was like her first like big crossover moment. And I think it was important. But I think my favorite song on that album was Gimmick, which is like now that I'm looking back on it is like you know feels the most honest to her previous sound right so like the sound that like made me fall in love with Chiquita um so uh so yeah so this is this is from 2001 and it was like the main thing that when we were coming up with this episode I was like oh yeah that's when laundry service came out like let's do it mm-hmm. we're fi- we'll figure it out I'm sure like we can find a bunch of other stuff from 2001 which you know spoiler alert was really hard for me actually um we'll, t- <laughs> we'll talk about why that was a little bit later but but yeah did you were you into laundry service were you into this chakita
0: So oh, yeah this year like we picked this year because we're like i really liked the 1998 episode we did a bunch of years back and like i like these kinds of um trying to structure episodes differently and i feel like you and i that often like are kind of like negotiating that because you're like less into it um Mm -hmm. and so but the 1998 episode turned out really well so we're like let's do another year episode I was like 20 years ago like that sounds good like why not you know go for 20 years ago as like a hook but then turns out 20 years ago like I wasn't listening to Latin music like I was in high school which meant I was spending the least amount of time with my family um and I was driving myself around so it's like I wasn't sort of forcibly exposed to any the music my parents were listening to we also didn't spend as much time in Miami I was like working in the summers you know I was like an older kid and um I was into like I remember I think this year there was like a Lisa Loeb album that I was like obsessed with I know I mean I was totally closeted and it was like kind of in response to some sort of like unrequited Situation with some guy, but whatever. I was really, I had a lot of work to do to find myself. Anyway, and then like a lot of Dave Matthews bands, This is like shit music. I mean, whatever. They're fine, Oof. but it's just like n- nothing really creative. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So Shakira, I remember listening to in college, like a few years later. I remember listening to, which is when I started to get more into like Latin music as sort of like a way of like you know, it's like you have to leave home to find yourself, kind of bullshit. You know, it was really that sort of mm-hmm. thing. of like. I left home and then I'm like, who am I? And like trying to figure out my identity and like then sort of was like more interested in reconnecting with the music that I grew up with. And so then I started listening to on my own, like more Latin music. So all that to say that, no, in 2001, I was not listening to Chakita at all. Also, like, I don't know that where I would have been exposed to it in North Carolina. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was on the radio, but
1: but yeah. Shakira. this was on the radio. This was on the radio. By the end of 2001, Chakita was like, yeah you know, international superstar. Like, she, like, made her crossover. The Esteban's, like, figured it all out for her. Mm Yeah, yeah. They did did a good job. Yeah, Um, but, so, yeah, so Laundry Service came out in 2001, the fall of 2001, which is, like, pretty rough timing if you, you know, like, 9-11 happened that year. Um, But, um, yeah, I think that this was, like, sort of, like, the beginning of the unraveling of my um, Shakira (laughs) fandom. Have you seen that meme of, like, um, you know, the horse drawing where, like, there was like the back half of the horse. This is like beautifully hyper realistic, like, rendering of a horse. And then, like, a five year old draws the rest of the
0: horse. <laughs> I saw the I saw it because you posted it on
1: minute. <laughs> yeah, I posted it. was like, whose discography looks like this? And I definitely think that Chakita is like that. I don't think she's made cool. a good song since like 2005, but bless her. She yeah. meant the world to me. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad that she was there for you in this time.
1: yeah she really was she really was and I was like trying to convince all of my like gringo friends that didn't know Chakira that like she was she was it
0: all right y'all before we get to our next my first pick for this episode two things we want to say one is that we'd kind of made a promise last week that our sound would be better this week because um we've been recording on zoom because veto has been away from home but um we got all the equipment she needed except one important piece of it and so we are back on zoom today so sorry y'all we're trying to get back to our
1: we're trying know. we were all ready to record on it and then we're like oh
0: wait so yeah
1: anyway 20... this is a struggle of working from not where your setup is
0: yeah 2021 doesn't want us to be great clearly <laughs> 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 um yeah, but, but we,
1: we do have cool things for
0: you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, but we do have a fun um, little tienda update that we've been working on for a minute, <laughs> um, and it's finally ready. Which is that um, we have Veto designed a new piece of merch for our store. Do you want to tell folks about it, Veto? Yeah,
1: we have a little Perreo keychain. This was um, I would say it was like a co, a very solid yeah, co sure. design. Because (laughs) we, um, I like. I think that you came up with the idea of a keychain, which I was like, "Why Mm -hmm. haven't we thought about before?" That's amazing. Because I also needed a keychain, and I was like, could not decide what I wanted because that's who I am. And I was like, yes, I would love a Perreo keychain. Let's definitely do that. And then we were struggling with the colors of what we would do and Venice is like what about light and i love the way it looks it's so cute it's like gold and white and mm-hmm. lovely um i am personally using it as my main keychain these days so highly recommend uh take a look at it go to the store i love thank it thank
0: you for giving me that credit that oh, i appreciate it because i'm not yeah design. yeah it was a joint um, endeavor yeah thank you thank you um yeah, so I actually got the idea because my I so I wear my keys in a very like gay ass fashion on a carabiner, carabiner on my back pocket. Yeah,
1: very gay.
0: Yeah, back pocket. My mom is like, you look like a truck driver, <laughs> um, and I'm like, a What's wrong with truck drivers? And b This is how I don't lose my keys. Like literally, like I feel safe when I can feel them in my back pocket and like whatever. <laughs> so sorry, mommy, but it's what I do. Um, and so I don't use keychains because like you don't want more bulk in your back pocket. Like you just need to keep mm-hmm. it holding. But my partner, um, the reason I thought of this was this summer, she had lost her keys for a minute and was really sad about the like Puerto Rico keychain on those keys. That was like oh. thing was really upsetting her. And I was like, wow, this keychain is like really meaningful to you. And so we'd sold out of the Perreo pins, which is awesome. And we were trying to decide what to do, whether to make the pins again or something else. And that's where the keychain idea came from. So um, go check it out. There's a ton of them in my closet here. We're really happy to mail them to y'all. Um, they are, yeah, they look really good, and they they hold up pretty well, and they totally look cute on the keychain. So yeah, for sure, it has a very Miami feel. I think the white and gold feels. Mm, I love it. I love it. Our love aesthetic it. inspiration mostly is Miami. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Very Miami. So, the other yeah. thing we have in the store is that we we sell the freaky donut pins, which were like a newer item that are actually black with so like black and white thing going. Um, so check those out if you haven't already, and then. We restocked the Team Feelings pins, which also sold out, which made my little Teen Feelings heart really happy. So if you didn't get a Team Feelings pin and you want one, there's more available in the store. We also
1: restocked the Menos Violencia Mas Perreo poster, which when we made, we didn't know this was going to happen, that there was going to be like uprisings over the summer against police violence. but. When it came out, we decided to make it a uh, fundraiser for Movement for Black Lives, and we decided to keep that. So if you decide to get a Menos Violencia Mas Perreo poster, we give part of that to um,
0: Movement for Black Lives. All right, yeah. so check out, we'll put a link in the show notes for the tienda, so you can check out the new Perreo Keychain and and the other things that we mentioned that we've restocked. Um, And thanks so much for supporting our merch. It's been really cute to get to share these things with you yeah for sure um tell us what you have next for us in 2001 so I basically like had to just google around and do some research about like what stuff came out in 2001 because like I mentioned before I was not listening to Latino music in that moment in my life um Mm -hmm. so I've decided that 2001 was like the year of the ballad because so much of what I found from like the top latin billboard hits to like just the music that was coming out was valid so we're going to start with something in that vein which is um a song by jose jose and it's called cada
2: veo, Más me enamoro De tu boca de beso De tus ojos color miel Cada vez que te tengo Yo más te adoro Que so si que el tiempo transcurriera porque es oscuro el mundo Mi cuerpo baila al compás del ritmo tuyo Mi alma canta al compás de tu cancínon Cuando me amas de esa forma, ven mi orgullo
0: Tu myself the title of the songs each cada um, so, you know, the, the genre of ballad, I think, crosses borders. There's lots of different types of ballads. And this is from, you know, has some more traditional Mexican sounds to it mm-hmm. um, and comes from, you know, a very well-known, very um, successful Mexican crooner, José José. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this was like a very... Uh like mexico heavy time in the industry you know like there's a lot of power in mexico in the music industry and there's a lot of ballads a lot of like paulina Rubio, a lot of thalia a lot of like you know that sort of era i mean there remains a lot of power in mexico in the music industry um but it was very very concentrated
0: um in this in this time yeah, and we've talked about Jose Jose before on the show. Um, Beto, I think you actually brought him, one of us brought him to the Senora Jams, maybe it was me, um, the Senora Jams episode we did a couple of years ago. And yeah, I think he's definitely like in the category of Senora Jams. And he was really big in the 80s, so this is kind of like past the peak of his career, but I think he was able to ride it for a long time because he was just so well-known. Yeah,
1: Jose Jose is an OG. Jose Mm-hmm.
0: and so I wouldn't like this is not if I had listened to this then I would have been like mm, you know I probably would roll rolled my eyes <laughs> <laughs> my music tastes have evolved a lot um, since I was a teenager um, but I, I was just sort of like looking back and seeing things that I liked and I like I like Senora Jams I like ballads like I can appreciate yeah. the music from yeah. so many different um, eras and so the other thing I did when I was researching this was like look back at 2001 and think about like what was happening in the United States in that time and um, and it was, a, I mean, it was a hard year. <laughs> there was a lot of really um, gloomy stuff that happened. Obviously, 9-11, as I mentioned, being the biggest one. But there was a lot of stuff even before 9-11. Like, I just, the Wikipedia page for 2001 is basically just, like, mass shootings and bombings and, like, just tragic things. Which maybe that's the factor of, like, what news gets remembered, you know? But it just, I was like, God, it seems like a pretty horrible news year. It's just, like a lot of doom and gloom. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean... For me that in terms of like thinking about that year, I um and news and like world events this is just all sort of concentrated around 9-11, right? Because it was so life-changing. And for me, it was what politicized me, right? Like I was like, had like vague sort of like recycling is good, <laughs> be good to the earth, sort of like be fair political beliefs, but like the thing that like radicalized me and like really like led me to like think about the role of race and like policing and you know like discrimination and imperialism in the United States and like war was 9-11. Um so that uh was a was a big um a big politicizer for me. And it's just like when I think of that year, it's like all concentrated on that.
0: Yeah. I mean I remember like the day I heard we bombed Afghanistan. Like I remember being in the back of my parents' car and we were like I think looking at colleges, we were on, like, some, like, college tour situation. I just remember being in the back seat and, like, hearing the news and thinking about it, you know, so it was definitely clearly a turning point. And, like, the Patriot Act, all that shit happened in 2001, mm-hmm, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we can really claim that this music was influenced by that, given that music is usually made, like, in advance of the moment, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. But, but yeah, it is interesting to think about, like, what else was happening in the world in that moment. Or, in the, I mean, I've yeah. just thought about the U.S., but.
1: Yeah, you know, it's fascinating um, in this moment. I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but just, like, for me, 2001 was really in between a lot of different musical eras for me, you know? And, um, like, for me personally, in terms of how and when I listen to music, but also, like, um, even thinking about, like, the emergence of, like, reggaeton, which now dominates, you know, like, reggaeton or, you know, popetong or whatever you want to call what's on the charts <laughs> now. Um uh now it dominates the charts but um dominates latinx music pero for me like i think of like you know so right before this was like el chombo right which i which to me um was like the panamanian ancestor of like the puerto rican movement that emerged right like i remember listening to um, you know, Cuentos de la Crita collection that came out like in the late 90s. Um, and then it, it's just like 2001, I was realizing when I was doing this research, research was so such an in-between year, just in mm-hmm. terms of how I listened and um, different movements that dominate um, what we listen to now. And also, you know, like, again, like I said, like Mexico was very dominant. The next band that I'm bringing is Mexican. This is Moenia, and the song is called Mudación. Moeni I started listening to in, like, 99. Again, like I said, I have so many more songs for 99 than I did 2000. So in terms of my personal timeline, I was starting to listen to a lot more, like, electronic music and indie rock. There was, like, this little gap for me in the early 2000s. For me, with Latino music, because I was so heavy in like electronic music and indie rock, but Moenia was a Mexican band that did a lot of synth pop and electronica, and one of the first bands that were more experimental like that in Mexico that got mainstream success. So I really like the song. It's called Mutacion. I just love that it's like the the
0: synths and the production and. This, didn't, this felt like it was from a different era to me. Like if, that, if I'd listened mm. to it and not known the date, I would have thought it was from like the 70s or 80s or something, which maybe is just like that electronic sound. It definitely has that like
1: 80s, late 70s, you know, synthy vibe, like very crumped mm-hmm. vibes, which mm-hmm. I really love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: I was thinking you were saying earlier about that this was like a transitional period. And I think it was also like, if you think about technology, right, it was a very transitional moment because it was right before kind of everything became digital. So like in this minute, like we're still listening to CDs mostly, but people are starting to have access to music digitally. And then like, we're just a year or two away, or maybe we're already at the early stages of like Line Wire and like some of these, um, um, what was the big Napster? Like, I think that stuff was already mm-hmm. pretty popular popular I was just like I wasn't accessing it until I got to college you know but so anyway the ways in which like the digital transition really changed music and changed how we access music and where we heard about music and all of that like this is like really just the early days of that period as well. Mm For sure. Three players were maybe around already at that point. I don't know. I can't. Yeah,
1: remember. I feel like the end. Yeah, like this time was like I think that the reason why I got into all this experimental music is because suddenly we have so much access to literally any kind of music right. that we wanted. Right. Like unless you had a lot of money or like worse. Like I feel like. The scamming of BMG and Columbia House and all of that was a little bit before, right? Like mm-hmm. they got, they caught on to that pretty quick, <laughs> those like CD scams. Like it just took a lot of money to be like familiar with music. And like, unless you had like a lot of money or like your own money as a teenager or something, it was just hard to access music. And then suddenly, like, the whole world was available to you. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but it was before like the iPod before the iPod mm-hmm. so it's, it's, yeah. it is it's a very funny like in between mm-hmm. time and the way that like we listen to music now and we listen to music before things were like right changing
0: very fast right like I had a cell phone but it wasn't the kind of cell phone you could do anything on you know just like you could make calls and barely text even um <laughs> right and like we were still like calling after nine to have three minutes you know like it was just such a different <laughs> moment technologically <laughs> And then yeah, if you weren't getting music from the radio or like going to shows, which I I was actually doing, because there's like a decent music scene in where mm. I grew up in Chapel Hill. So, like I would, I mean, I went to some mainstream shows, but also like random indie underground shows too. And then you like buy the CD off the person there, you know? Um, yeah, like, yeah. Or like there was like
1: tape exchanges and stuff that happened depending on what scenes you were a part of, mm-hmm. but for sure, yeah,
0: yeah, so. So this is a group that you were aware of at the time or that you kind of looked at?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I tried I think part of the reason why this was hard is that I wanted to like bring music that I was like listening to, mm-hmm. you know, like that like yeah. was like meaningful to me. And so yeah, so Moenia I like started listening to a little bit before um in 99 and then like sort of kept track of them after that because I because I was into into their their vibe. This is from uh, an album called um, Le Modulor, which, you know, I almost picked another song called I Caer, um, which is sort of new wavy, again, like similar sort of um 80s electronic vibe. And I think it's a pretty solid album, actually. I I'm not I'm not mad at it, but I think just doing this episode made me realize that it wasn't until, like, the late 2000s and early 2010s that I was able to find communities, like, on the internet who were, like, looking for and writing about, like, the experimental and independent music that was coming out of Latin America, right? Like, God Mm -hmm. bless Club but, like, you know, like you said, the charts at this time were super like ballad heavy and, you know, like I'm into some ballads for sure, but they've never been like my bread and butter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can get yeah. into a few of them, but, um, you know, so when I was into like electronic music and, uh, and indie rock, like I sort of stepped away from Latin music cause I didn't have like access to those scenes in Latin America. And it wasn't until like later, Um, later on, like the late 2000s, like I said, early 2010s that I kind of found on the internet, those, those folks, um, doing stuff in Spanish or Latin Americans doing it in the United States or scenes in Latin America. So, um yeah it's it's just like uh the the in-between nature of my personal listening and like the transitions that were happening in the world like it made this like a really surprisingly difficult episode to pull together for me
0: yeah it, was, it wasn't easy for me either yeah turned out be. it's like three years after 1998 and for some reason it's like a whole different world I don't know it's interesting so we want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor for today's episode So
1: today's episode is sponsored by Planned Parenthood's telehealth services, which are so dope and can just be ready when you are.
0: Planned Parenthood's telehealth appointments are high quality, they're affordable, and they're private, just like they would be if you were in the office. And it's a really great thing to take advantage of right now as COVID rates are just like kind of skyrocketing around the country.
1: Yeah, so you can connect with a provider over the phone or over video. Um, There's experts that can help you with birth control or prescription refills or, you know, other sexual and reproductive health care services that don't require an in-person exam. So you can just skip the waiting room and get the care that you need when you need it.
0: You can learn more about their telehealth services at plannedbrownhood.org backslash and we'll put that link in the show notes as well. We also want to take a minute now to talk about
1: our membership program. It's been a minute since we talked about it because it just felt weird, like during COVID times and pandemic times and all the wildness that was happening to talk about it. But we have still been producing membership content for all of our members. And there's going to be like a couple of extra songs on this episode for people who are members of. Uh, of our membership program. So we just wanted to give that a little shout out and remind y'all that it's there if you can and want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, we super appreciate the like consistent support. It really helps um, cover the cost of the show and like allowed ourselves to pay. We were able to like pay ourselves a teeny little bit at the end of the year. It's kind of like a little um, bonus to ourselves for the work that we put in. It's definitely still like a labor of love, but um, basically folks can donate um, five, 10 or $15 a month and like Beto said, you get access to a separate feed of the show that doesn't have these ads and doesn't have – and has an extra segment. Um, almost every episode, we have an extra segment that's just for the members. So you get a little bit of a longer episode every week. And then sometimes we'll have little um, store discounts or other things. We, You know, I think we we offer people, like, a free freaky donut pin this summer for being a member. So there's, like, little thank yous and everything in there as we can do it. So, yeah, just something to consider if you um, – have stable income and you've got a little bit of extra that you want to support us with, we would really appreciate it. So we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can go sign
1: up for the membership. So what do you have next for us in our 2001 music selection, Bettis?
0: so um, I wanted to go back to, to to some of the artists that I was into like earlier, maybe not since 2001 and see what they were up to in 2001. So this is a song by Ch- Jerry Rieger and it's called Quiero.
3: se convierte en pesadilla De pronto llegas tú a iluminar mi vida Eres la luz que alumbra a mi cielo Eres el amor que alivia mis tormentos Y tus besos son como la aurora del amanecer Suave y dulce como la miel
0: So, um, so yeah, did even Put out an album in 2001 called rivera um, and I was hoping for more of like because he's one of my favorite crosteros from that time. I was like hoping for more of what I love from him, but it's actually a very different album. It's like basically ballads, so that was part of why I started deciding that 2001 was a year of ballads because even someone like <laughs> rivera was like going in that direction, um. So I didn't love it to be honest. Like I was like they just didn't do that much for me. Like I do like ballads, but his I wasn't like really told by You mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> know was one of his like um singles off this album. So he put out a salsa version of it, which is what we just listened to. And Got so it. it's not as good as like his other salsa. I mean I think you know, I think there's some, sometimes those feel like when someone puts out a song and then they put out a different version in like another style, it works better. But like in this case I mm-hmm. feel like it wasn't written as a salsa song, you know? So, like, it doesn't necessarily work as a salsa song as well as his actual salsa does. But I wanted to bring it because I wanted to bring something that wasn't a ballad and wanted to talk about this album because I thought it was interesting to was trying to make this pivot.
1: Yeah, I started looking for some salsa also to bring because the most of the Latin music that I was listening to, I'm going to say... Um, when I, in like 2001, 2002 was probably salsa because I was like a regular at the salsa clubs. Like when I was like 18, 19, I would go like weekly with my friend, uh, Paola to dance. And so like, I was constantly listening to salsa, but I feel like at the salsa clubs, they always play like classics, you know, like they play like your Oscar de Leon, they play like your classic Jerry Rivera, they play like your Fanias, they play... I mean, and obviously some new things, but I like wasn't able to pinpoint like, you know, like what was happening in salsa in 2001. Maybe I missed something, but um, I was definitely listening to a lot of salsa uh, back then because I was going to the clubs to dance every single week.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I think it can be hard too when somebody, you know, I've struggled with this with like Prince Royce and other people when they're really known for something and they try to go in a different direction. I feel like it's a little bit of a setup, like, um, if people really loved what you used to do, it's, it can be hard to go in a different direction And still. I don't mean, know, maybe people really loved this in 2001. No yeah. Say, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it, did, it wasn't, like, on the... I don't think he was on, like, the Billboard 100, but I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wish I—I I wish we understood more. Like, we got to some say like, what was happening. You know, we're just, like, talking about some trends we saw from, like, our bits of research around what was going on in this moment. Um, the other thing that surprised me when I was looking him up again, you know, we brought him before, was how young he is. I think I just, like, imagine when somebody,
1: yeah.
0: I'm listening to somebody's music when I'm a teenager, that he's going to be, like, really old, but he's actually a baby when he was doing that. Um, he's only His 47 name now. His is
1: literally El Bebé de la Salsa.
0: That's true. That's true. That's true. Fair, that's fair. <laughs> And I'm super, thinking about, like, super cara super de niño, young. you know, cara, <gasps> cara de niño, pero alma de hombre, that must have been about him. <laughs> 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 so yeah Yeah, Amores nuestro
1: came out when he was a
0: babe. Yeah, which is impressive. And also again, like a little bit of a setup when you're so successful and you're so young. Like how do you how do you keep it going, you know? Yeah, yeah, so.
1: no. Disney as young. Like I, I also had like a shocker moment with that. I was like I sort mm-hmm. of like didn't connect El De De la salsa to the fact that he was like actually super young. You know, I was like, Oh, that's
0: why <laughs> you yeah. know. It took me a minute, but yeah, that was a literal nickname.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was like, era un bebé, you know?
0: Jovencito. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, what's up next for you?
1: All right, the last song that I'm bringing, I have to confess, came out in 2000, but it charted in 2001, so I'm giving
3: myself a damn pass. Mm -hmm.
1: This song is called La Bomba, and it's by
3: Azul Azul. sensual un movimiento sensual sensual un movimiento muy sexy sexy un movimiento muy sexy sexy y aquí se viene azul azul con este baile que es una bomba para bailar esto es una bomba para gozar esto es una bomba para menear esto es una bomba y las mujeres lo bailan así 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 todo el mundo una mano en la cabeza Suavecito para abajo, para abajo, para abajo. Suavecito para arriba, para arriba, para arriba. Sensual, un movimiento sensual, sensual. Un movimiento muy sexy, sexy. Un movimiento muy sexy, sexy. Y aquí se viene azul azul con este baile que es una bomba. bomba. Para bailar esto es una bomba. bomba. Para gozar esto es una bomba, bomba. todas las mujeres. This song! I did not recognize the name at all, but then immediately I heard the first like couple of
0: bars of the bell, right? Yeah. Song. yeah, but it's just like, oh, I don't know if
1: I know that one.
0: I was like, you know that one. Yeah, <laughs> so I, promise. I 100% do. God, it's a good one. This is a hit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was a good one. Um, you know, like I said, I was like really struggling. This like um, this started in two thousand and one, and I was just like really struggling because, like you know, mainly my exposure to to Latin music at the time was like at the salsa clubs, and like I was just like really looking like for albums. Like, who was I listening to? You know, like Café Tacuba, Tercio Pedros, Mosh, like all these like rock and español kids. Like, none of these motherfuckers had albums that year. Um, I realized I just, like, had so much, like, right before and right after, like, 99 was El Chombo, 99 was, you know, Reves, Yo Soy Cuba. even, like, in the pop realm, like, Lo Are Por Ti by Paulina Rubio, that was the year 2000, like, when Juanes blew up, that was, like, also later in the 2000s, I said, hey, my last ketchup was 2002, it was just like, oh my god, like, everything that I looked but so that's why I was like, fuck it. Like, I know that this technically came out in 2000, but if it charted in 2001, I'm gonna let myself do it. And Azul Azul are actually Bolivian, which oh, I was shocked to find out. That's cool. Right? Um, I yeah. figured they were Panamanian. Right. <laughs>
3: because
1: of the Reggae Español sort of right. connection. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're Bolivian, but, you know, I guess Reagan Español has made its way across Latin America because of Panama's influence. Right. And mm-hmm. there's Regan Español scenes all over Latin America. Now, I know that Venezuela definitely has um, a strong one and um yeah, I just like I was also trying to pinpoint like what memories I have tied to this song. I, like, and I really can't pinpoint anything. I don't I don't know how I know it. I don't know how, mm-hmm. where I know it from. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I listened to it. I don't know when I first heard it. But I just like know it in my bones. Like, yes, of course I know this song.
0: Same, same. No idea where I heard it, but totally know it and love it. And I'm like really happy to be reminded of it. All right, what? is the last thing you have for us that is yeah so my last song is um, by Mark Anthony um, and it's called Hasta Que Vuelvas Conmigo let's take a listen
3: porque andas creyendo en otros esos que no quieren verme a tu lado y sin razón de ser que andan diciendo mentiras Para poder separarnos y arruinar este querer Porque andas creyendo en otros y perdiendo tu confianza Esa que recupere una vez Mis errores fueron pocos, tus perdones fueron muchos Nunca quise serte infiel i
0: if there's one person you can count on to like consistently bring the really good salsa i think it's mark anthony you know
1: (laughs) i was scared that this was going to be a ballad because it starts out kind of that
0: way and i was Mm -hmm. like oh no Mm -hmm. but it's not it's salsa and it's good he i know we brought him we brought him to the show before but i kind of feel like i haven't brought him as much as i should given how i think fucking talented he is you know like I think there's something about how popular he is that sometimes makes me reluctant to bring him because it's kind of like, well, duh, you know, Mark Anthony, but <laughs> um, but he's just so good. Like he's just so good.
1: He's he's very very good. I um I want to take my mom to go see Mark Anthony because my mom um, loves Mark Anthony. So I find one day, really when the pandemic good is over. Yeah, I've heard his show is really really good. Mm-hmm. I um one day when when the pandemic is over. And my parents are like living in Miami, I'm just gonna buy my mom tickets and
0: mm-hmm. we're gonna go. Mhm. Yeah, I've I've looked into it before. It's expensive. It's like a hundred bucks, even if you're Deeper like sitting expensive. in those sleep yeah. But I've heard it's amazing and like I think it would be incredible. Um yeah, so this is from a 2001 album called Libre. I wonder who he was divorcing at the moment. Like, I didn't actually know. Oh my
1: God, so many wives.
0: <laughs> but he's so like, many he, wives. he's had like four different wives and they all overlapped and whatever. So I wonder what this is about. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just, he's just incredible and um, his voice, you know, and like the people, obviously the people he's collaborating with, it's just like really, really solid music. So. I'm consistently impressed by this dude. And uh, and yeah, I would love, love, love to see him in concert too. I think I'll feel differently about spending money on concerts after the pandemic because it's been such a like a thing you just can't do, <laughs> you know? All my takeout money, all my takeout food <laughs> spending will go towards something else, you know, because it's like that's the only thing I can do right now. Um, oh, my so, Yeah, Yeah. But, but yeah, I was happy to see that Mark was... Was bringing it in 2001. Doing the thing. Doing the thing. Yeah, this came out like in November, like late November 2001. So here we are. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you.
1: <laughs> Making our <laughs> 2001
0: episode a little bit easier. I know. Thanks so much. though yeah. So not you know. 2001, was it a good year? Was it a bad year? No, no <laughs>
1: <laughs> It was something, man. It was something, but you know. What a funny, transitional, interesting time. This is a cool thing about these episodes is that like, you really are forced to think about that time in history and be like, what was happening there? Yeah. And make connections like with back. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. for sure. Well, thanks for going on this journey with me, middle. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next time we pick a year, we should pick like this, a year in the 70s or something. Like, just kind of go like, way mm. back sort of try something different because a lot of other years we we've, both of the years we've done have been like within a couple of years each other So yeah yeah Anyway, thanks so much for listening y'all yeah thank you so much for
1: listening everybody um i as as always all the information from the songs that we're listening to is in the show notes and everything that we talked about is going to be linked there including the link to our TV.
0: Thanks so much for your support. Sending all big hugs. Today we are recording this on the last day of the Trump presidency. And oh God. I'm really Good riddance. Excited. Yeah.
1: Good riddance. By the time that you hear this, he's not going to be president anymore. And hopefully we will never talk about
0: him or utter his name ever again. Oh my God. I think that's too optimistic. But um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully the Trenton power will have been completed and there won't be um, more violence. So sending y'all like a big, a big hug um, and check us out next week. We'll be back.
1: Hasta la próxima y'all. Cuídense. Bye. <laughs>